Synopsis. This is the third in a trilogy of Toy Story movies from Pixar. Uh, basically, Andy, the owner of all the toys, is getting ready to go off to college and has to decide what to do with the toys. And in the process of that, the toys end up going to a sunny side daycare and everything is not as it seems. And um, eventually they're trying to escape and make their way back to Andy's house. Um, we're going to assume that you've seen the movie. If you haven't, oh well, good luck. Spoilers. We will probably constantly talk about it. But that's as much of the plot as I feel needs to be gone into. Well, it's been 11 years since the right. last Toy Story, right? 11 yes. Years? And 11 years. that actual amount of time has passed in the Toy Story world. Yeah, 11 years has actually passed, which is really fascinating. So, And now we're going to turn to Steve. Steve is going to give us his general review, how he felt about the movie, and then we're just going to move on and start talking about it and go right into it. Okay, well, I think I was the most nervous about it out of the three of us. Um, I was worried it's just going to be kind of dialed in. You know, the third movie is rarely, rarely good. The third movie in a trilogy, um, except for maybe Back to the Future. Um, is that well, Lord of the Rings? That's all one movie. That doesn't count. Uh, I can't th- actually Back to the Future. Indiana Jones. Yeah, Indiana, Indiana Jones. Good. Third movie's good. good. Not anymore, but not anymore. But the third movie was good. Uh, so there are some, but very, very few third movies yeah. are good. Um, it's usually just to grab the cash. And I was afraid, although... I For example, Shrek the Third. Terrible. Shrek the Third, yeah. Awful. Um, X-Men. X-Men 3, Batman X-Men. Forever. Uh, That's a masterpiece. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, so... I, I was afraid that it wasn't going to be any good. Um, I went in and one of the best animated films I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, like Are you putting the, it above Kung Fu Panda? Barely. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, from the moment the movie started to the moment the movie ended, I was holding back tears. Mm-hmm. Like literally, I was almost bawling the entire way through the movie. And there were times where I literally had to look away to not, like, break down. It was, like, one of the most... And it, the thing is, it didn't... One of the first animated movies that I've seen that didn't rely a lot on humor. There was humor there, but that wasn't the point of the story. It was... Um, there was a deep plot. The characters were complex. And, I mean, 
everything that they that Pixar has brought us all along, but this was like the pinnacle of everything they've ever done. And yeah, I, like literally, I so many times throughout the movie, I almost broke down, just blubbering. It was it was a beautiful, beautiful movie, and I yeah, way exceeded my expectations. Um, I thought that the story was. Um, well put together, it wasn't just sort of a rehash of things they've done. Even the the whole Buzz Lightyear reverting back to the original model Buzz was done in a way where it seemed fresh and new. And there was a good reason for it. There was a good reason for it. It didn't the other feel, toys do it as a punishment. It's not like an accident. Yeah, and it didn't feel like they were just trying to recapture what they did in the it first just one. Get hit in the head yeah, yeah. You know, it's amnesia. You know. Yeah. So yeah, it was. Amazing, absolutely amazing. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I, uh, I I was afraid to be the first one to say it, but I was I was pretty close to breaking down this album. Yeah, maybe not the whole way through, but toward the end, I was definitely I was I was I was, uh, I was fighting. Yeah. Oh yeah. To, uh, That's my water. <laughs> you put that back right now. Don't you touch my water. That's your tea. I can't touch my tea. You can drink your tea. Okay, fine. Did you drink my water? <laughs> I'm gonna cry. It's okay. We can Anyways, all cry. We can have a cry you were talking it. about how you were almost going to cry. <laughs> yeah, um, I think. I don't know if this might be the first animated movie that I probably that close to. I mean, that had that big an emotional impact on me. I mean, Wally is pretty emotional, but I don't think I've ever been so close to just absolutely breaking down. Yeah. The end. Yeah, it, I yeah, it, it's I'm still sort of like I think about it. I'm still like, and I was actually concerned in the beginning because uh, well, the opening sequence is really cool because it started out kind of the way Toy Story two started out. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like this, this fantasy, Andy's fantasy sequence mm-hmm. kind of thing. Although I think in Toy Story two was. Rex playing a video game, but anyway, it started out this fantasy sequence. But after it started moving away from that, I started getting a little worried because I was, like you were saying, it wasn't as funny. Like there weren't as many gags. Yeah. So it took a little longer to actually for me to actually start like really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that actually engaged me even more. Um, because it took itself very seriously, and not in a overly you know, serious way, but it it tried to make an animated movie that had weight and then didn't just rest on making fun of Disney and making fun of fairy tales and making fun of you know um, there was yeah I mean it this had the same kind of weight that any dramatic you know serious dramatic film that comes out right before the Oscars has. I mean, really, I mean, it dealt with issues that it's, it seems like they took the sort of weighty issues of up that they sort of dealt with and made an entire movie out of that. That idea of dealing with issues of separation and um, isolation and like serious issues and did it in a way that uh, was just Oh, made me cry. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, I cried about that. That, that tendency. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. 
I cried in Wally when he's being crushed. I laughed. I, I cried. <laughs> Skip a little bit. <laughs> no, but just that was heartbreaking. Uh, I think the difference though is that just for like the last fifteen minutes of the film, I was. Oh, the the end of Toy Story. Toy Story. Right? I just. Mm-hmm. I was crying mm-hmm. when oh. he when he was talking to the when he's giving his toys away. Yeah. To the yeah. Little, to the little girl, and he's describing how much what each one means to him. And when he sees Woody at the bottom of the box, and realizes that he has to give up Woody. And I really liked the idea at the beginning. Like I, I think what told me at the beginning that it was going to be a good movie was when he's taking all his toys and he chooses to take Woody with him to college. And that's the that's the fear yeah. that I had last week. Mm-hmm. Was that. I didn't see how he would give up Woody so easily. Yeah, they still have that sense of that character, Andy, and his attachment to Woody is still there, so strong that he would literally keep him and take him to college. And, but then the whole idea of them having to stick together as a family and then working together and Woody sacrificing staying with Andy is really the thing that fascinated me through the entire movie. And I guess I kind of forgot it in the first two films, but Pixar can push emotion with stillness. Like, the scenes when I was on the edge of crying would just be those little, like, four or five second clips of just, like, Woody or Buzz's still face. And you... Because what it really kind of does is it makes... It's it's a first-person shot. So you literally are putting yourself in Andy's viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And you're looking at that toy. It's really the first time that someone... You know, we've had kind of gimmicky attempts to have like first person moving around and some action films and things like that but that really utilizes the direct first person point of view really really well because the toy isn't speaking back to the human emotion as an audience we know the toys have those emotions and those feelings for Andy but there's a sense of absence in its in Woody's just kind of still smile right there that will n- the connection is there but we'll never be able to communicate it to yeah. each other and that I don't know it makes me wish that my toys were alive are you thinking about like the scene at the end with the little girl like he's waving by and the little girl waves by with Woody's hand yeah. and he's almost like taken back by it mm-hmm. almost like a moment of realization yeah, or, yeah are yeah. they alive no, I was just thinking... Not, just, not, not are they alive, but just, like... Because we have seen Woody, you know, moving so much, but just, like, the sudden, like... He sees Woody's hand waving goodbye, you know? It's just, like, it's, he has this, like, moment where he's, like... Whoa. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's not some moment. I'm just thinking of just the moments when they would just look at just the toys' faces without them moving. Yeah. Just in the stillness. That there's... I still don't know how they did it. There's emotional power in that stillness. Well, it's because of everything they do around it. Yeah. And it's sort of... But there's been a tradition of that in the Toy Story movies going back to the first one. Like, like in the opening scenes of the first Toy Story movie, they close up shot on his face when he was playing. Yeah. And I think they do a good job throughout the three movies of keeping that um, theme going. So, yeah. Yeah. I thought about it. It's weird. It's really even in the beginning, when I mean, this real this this movie really feels does feel sort of like a farewell to these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and there's that scene, there's the whole fantasy suite sequence, but then it switches over to to the actual toys playing, and um, and that I don't know, that moment, like even in that moment, I was like fighting back a little bit because I, I think it hit me like, wow, these characters have become as much a part of our culture as Mickey Mouse, or I mean, these have become a real part of of well, at least American culture, and because and launched something, the idea of animation as something that isn't just for kids can be something that is, uh, you know, as much are taken as seriously as any any other genre. Yeah. Launch and, Pixar, basically. Yeah, well, launch Pixar, but I mean, Pixar's uh, ideas of animation have taken hold that an animated movie can have the same kind of dramatic weight as any other any other kind of film. It's interesting that you're talking about how the, the place in culture, mm-hmm. because when they re-released Toy Story and Toy Story 2 and 3 at the end of last year, yeah. I went and saw it, and as I was sitting there watching, I was realizing that I was with a lot of people my own age, mm-hmm. but they had their own kids. Yeah. And I, I, the, I, the realization came to me that I and these people were kids when mm-hmm. Toy Story came out, and now they're taking their kids yeah. to see Toy Story. Yeah. And even though I don't have kids, I was just like so, it was just such a moment for me, I was like, wow, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you start to realize actually how, like you said, how much of an impact this has had on, on yourself, how much of an impact this, these movies had on me. You know, and how much they really tapped into just an imagination and just the idea of wanting to play with your toys, wanting your toys to be alive. And it's not until this movie did I really realize what an impact these films had on me mm-hmm. and what an impact the end of them. It's like you said, it does feel like a farewell to these characters. And it does feel like a... Fi- like, I mean, you, are, you already mentioned it's... The perfect ending to a to a trilogy. Oh yeah. You know, it's not the Matrix Revolutions. It's it's <laughs> brilliant. Matrix Revolutions is brilliant. It's 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 a perfect trilogy that flows from Toy Story, Toy Story Two, Toy Story Three, and it ends, which is so hard to do with a series. Honestly, to end it well, it's easier to leave us at a cliffhanger wanting more constantly, constantly doing that. But to end something well so hard but this 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 did it it left us it left me wanting more but accepting that I'm not going to receive anymore being willing to not that it's the end yeah so yeah, we more. have to let them go just like anyone. we have to let them go just like yeah, yes yeah, exactly amazing how much we become yeah. and I never I didn't I didn't I wasn't actually thinking about it as a trilogy until after I'd ever seen the movie and I think it was I think it was just a couple of days ago we saw it almost a week ago, but just a few days ago, I was like, wow, that was one of the most perfect trilogies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hadn't been thinking about it as a trilogy. To me, there's a difference between just three movies in a series and mm-hmm. a trilogy. Because okay, a trilogy to me will be like, you can watch, you can take the three movies together, and there's an arc over the three movies, even if they're made separately, like, things work. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... 
it wasn't until after I'd seen Toy Story 3 that I was like, wow, that was actually a, a, a real trilogy. Like we were talking about Indiana Jones, to me that's like episodic. Just like, you know, you can keep making or whatever. Right. Um, you can have as many episodes as you want. But, I see. Yeah. But, but okay. Toy Story 3, I think, is, is a, like you're saying, is a, is a perfect way to wrap up the story. Because the entire story is about separation and letting go. Yeah. I mean, from every, every movie's been about that. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, I see what you mean, the, the sort of overarching. So what do we think about the, um, one of my concerns with the movie, going into it, um, which is always my concern with such a ensemble cast like this, was that Woody and Buzz wouldn't be the focus, or that they... Uh, the, the number of characters. The, the number of characters that they have, and always with a new movie, you introduce new characters. So I'm wondering if, if we can talk about how we felt about the new characters. Uh, Lotso, Big Baby, Ken, uh, and then some of the characters at Molly's house. Um, how, what, what do we feel that they add? What do they bring to the movie? Do they bring too much? Because I think, I think Lotso is probably the most important one there. and gets the most time. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's a great villain, I thought. He's a much... Scarier yeah. villain than yeah. Mm. yeah. This movie went dark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. His and he has great motivation. Like yeah. you go back to the idea that he was literally replaced. And I think it was a brilliant move when he goes up there and he looks in, in that window and we see that he's replaced. But we don't see if Big Baby and Chuckles. Chuckles has the Chuckles was the clown. Which was a hilarious moment when they're like, <laughs> the you, can ask, that character you, you can ask <laughs> Chuckles. Yeah, <laughs> it's just that sad clown, like, just sitting up there. This perfect, like, French cinema moment. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then his deep voice comes on, and he just... <laughs> the thing about that moment was, it was, it, it was so sudden and yeah. unexpected. Yeah. And for a moment, I was just, like, totally, like, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. But it made me laugh, and at the same time, it was still seriously like emotionally waiting. I don't know yeah. how they how that. they could do that with a clown, which has <laughs> with a clown, which has now I entered into like scary. <laughs> I think clowns culture. This clown like sympathetic yeah. to me. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But I I love that we have no idea if Big Baby and Chuckles were replaced, right, and yeah. that and that Lotso won't let them see. Yeah. Well, it, it allows for that. Uh, Sorry, that's my phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> I should have turned that on. Do I hit it? Uh, I don't want to hit it. It allows for what, Steve? It allows for that moment when uh, Big Baby... I can't say that without Big Baby. Some favorite characters you know. uh, When he turns on Lotta. Yeah. So that doesn't feel forced or... It, it makes sense in the context of the movie. Whereas a lot of those moments where the... The number two turns on, you know, suddenly right, turns good. Right. Feels well, they need this to make the plot work. Um, but it, it not giving that away allows for that moment to happen organically, yeah. which is which is really nice. And the way they take like this plush teddy bear and this uh, baby doll and make them scary, yeah, <laughs> but still like 
sympathetic, like not one-dimensional, and yeah, yeah. I, I thought they did a really good job with the new characters. They've always had. I remember scary spider baby head. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. When it comes out of yeah. the darkness. When it comes out of the darkness. Head turns. One eye's gone. Mm -hmm. And that that the design of Big Baby reminded me a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. But they've obviously captured the fact that baby dolls are very creepy. Um, they are very creepy. Yes. They're very very scary. Babies in general. Babies are creepy. just terrible inventions. I don't know why we have them. <laughs> no. Old um, women who collect porcelain dolls are scary. Those yeah. guys are. Yeah, that that's another thing that Pixar is great at is taking uh, very benign characters and making them into villains. Mm -hmm. uh, I think about any, I mean, the villain in Up is an old dude, an old guy that can barely walk. Uh, the villain in Wally -E is a computer. like computer. You know, uh, what, uh, this, like Hal. Yeah, yeah but exactly. even Hal's. Uh, I mean, he seems benign at the beginning. Uh, and has that same sort of so I mean in all their movies the the villain it starts out as this very like uh, okay. approachable character Toy Story 2 it's like that too with Pete yeah with yeah, Lotso Lotso actually reminded me a lot of Prospector Pete which I was concerned about because um, I think even from the previews I was like well that's just Prospector Pete you know, he's, yeah. he's even walking around with the king. Yeah. Where Prospect Pete uses his pickaxe to walk around. He's just like this old toy, lots of folksy wisdom, and mm -hmm. kind of round and lovable. And, you know, and then he has like this moment where he turns, and he's like, oh, he's not really a good guy at all. But I think they gave Lotso a much better backstory, mm -hmm. a much better motivation for why he's such a bad toy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Prospector Pete was just bitter for not having ever been played with. Right. Lotso was actually the post. So it's much different. I, I, I like that when they get to to Molly's house, that those toys were just kind of comfortable. Yeah. They didn't play a big role. They're, they're nice. There still seems to be a difference to all of them. They all have their own characters, their own little... You know, they have the British thespian there, um, the dinosaur. My neighbor, Yeah. It's, so it's it's good that they have a heart to them, but they they didn't spend too much time on it. They didn't overwhelm the movie with characters. With characters, yeah. No, they could they, have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think there was less focus on other characters than there was in Toy Story 2. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, the focus of this movie was squarely on Woody. Almost, almost yeah. entirely throughout. and uh, It follows him to Molly's house. Yeah. yeah. I mean, very, except for, you know, short sequences where they're in the, the terrifying children's playroom. Um, it's almost always on movies. And I don't think that diminished was Lightyear or Jesse McCall. No, no, not at all. But it's, no. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, it's like a movie. It was a lot, it was a lot about Jesse McCall. Mm -hmm. um, even she even got that in Flashback sequence that pushed me to tears. Also, um, she gets left behind. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, to the point. Buzz Lightyear's almost like a supporting character. But yeah. He still, he still carries that. Still carries that cool Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. I mean, there's a cool scene where they're che they're trying to break out of the kids' room. And he does all the flips and stuff. Mm -hmm. and 
they yeah. still they hit all the classic beats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about one thing I read is that they had to completely redesign all the characters because the software. Mm-hmm. I, they did that. I didn't. I didn't know they had to. But yeah, they had to. The the software that they designed it originally isn't compatible with computers anymore. So they had to build all the characters from the ground up, like rebuild them. And I was, honestly, I couldn't tell any difference at all. Um, well, they saw the same designs. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I read that, the, what I saw was just that they had to rebuild rebuild the framers. They didn't, like, they couldn't just pull them out of a file. Right. Yeah, I was going to say that I think this movie did a better job than most movies where they have a lot of characters that they have to uh, spend time on. Mm-hmm. Um, or you're talking about the characters in the, the little girl's house. Yeah. And how they were, they had small roles, they didn't have, like, had a lot of backstory, but they still felt like they were individual personalities. Um, and I think this movie did that really well. Um, and I was thinking about Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo has a huge cast oh, of yeah. Yeah. supporting characters, and uh, and I was I was thinking about I think Kickstarter has this follows the philosophy of like um, like in a live action movie uh, how even the smallest role has to be cast with the right actor, mm-hmm. and I think Kickstarter does a good job of doing that. Like even if the character is only on screen for a few seconds, it's like a memorable character with a personality. The crabs. Yeah, and you find Nemo, they did this so well. The crabs and the seagulls and... Uh, yeah. Even though uh, the villain was a little girl. Right, and the, and the school of fish that acted as one entity. And, uh... The sharks. The sharks. They, all yeah. the people in the little tank. That's that's the movie I was thinking about. Like, in terms of Pixar, because that movie seemed to have like, the biggest cast of... Yeah. Uh, ...supporting characters and... And you literally will only see some of them for like a scene. Yeah. And then move on to another part of the ocean. I love that one movie poster from Finding Nemo where there's, there's nothing but you, they just paint every character that could possibly fit into that. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that. I think it's because they put them in there and they just let them. Sometimes a big problem with ensemble films is they feel the need to tell each little character's entire backstory and almost make them. I don't want to say more important than they are, but give, it just becomes like, uh, you become inundated with information, mm-hmm. you know, instead of just understanding the idiosyncrasies of these people, and someone can be a character without a backstory, you know, um, lots of obviously needed a backstory, Yeah. you know, other people don't, um, it's something like this, right, um, I think another thing that they do very well is uh, giving you that backstory sort of slyly on the side without really... I mean, even uh, Big Baby and they have a backstory, but they never really... It's never explicit. It's just sort of, you know, it just happens alongside Lotso, and you you have it. Uh, Even the the telephone character, you kind of have an idea of what his backstory is. That scene was amazing. Yeah. A little film noir... Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was great. Where he just like throws the phone and he's like Yeah. He's like, I didn't know what was gonna go on in that phone. I didn't either. When I thought first that somebody else was gonna be talking to that phone. So did I. I was yeah. like, if that happens, that's gonna be 
stupid. Yeah. And then I realized it was phone talking. Yeah. Through the phone. Because <laughs> it's how it talks. You, yeah. you see his eyes moving. <laughs> but there's no mouth. You just see eyes moving. And it was great. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. really good. Well, how did you guys feel? We'll, we'll get to Ken later. But, because he is important to talk about him. But how did you guys feel about the fact you just got the film noir? Oh, the fact this was also kind of a prison escape movie. Yeah. Um, How do you think they is, accomplished that? There was a point in the movie where it turned. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think it might even have been that telephone scene where I suddenly realized I was watching a prison escape movie and I was like, this, not only is this like a good spoof of a prison escape movie, but this is, this is a really cool prison escape yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, and I love how they're showing all the little, uh, the little pieces of the plan Mm-hmm. And you don't know what's going on. Like you're seeing the pieces of the plan as they're doing it, mm-hmm. but they're also explaining it at the same time. It's like I see a Mission Impossible where they're breaking into uh, the CIA headquarters of Langley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like and they explain as they're explaining, you see what's happening. I love that scene, Mission Impossible. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that was the first movie to do it, but that's the one that I, I remember that sort of used that structure, and I really like the way they did that. It made me think of like you know the Great Escape. And Dirty Dozen and you know, all, those, all those great movies. But it's so it's so fascinating to juxtapose like a prison escape with a daycare. Preschool. A children's preschool. daycare. You know, and they do that so well with the Toy Story movies. It's something that we realize is somewhat innocent and they take it and say, no, this well, is devilish. You're going to go to the box and it's just a sandbox. Box, yeah. yeah. You know? Believe it or the the daycare starts out and it how quickly it flips to this like terrifying place yeah this literally like one of the a prison in South America or something this yeah. place where like <laughs> and, and, and the thing that I thought was so interesting about that scene where the, where the toddlers come rushing in is the moment that Buzz Lightyear has this realization that it's a nightmare he's not in his uh, in his you know alive state he's in yeah. his Inanimate toy state, but all you see is the the helmet flips <laughs> the down. The flips down. Last second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like, all that he needs amazing. to have it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like he's he's got this blank face, but just the <laughs> that he need, feels the need to be protective yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, then that's kind of scary. I mean, the stuff that they do to those toys and you yeah. know, dipping them in pain, ripping Rex's tail off. I was kind of like, <gasps> yeah, right. I was like, oh no. I was like. Wait, will he get it back? I was concerned yeah. <laughs> when it fell off. I was glad that he got it back. Yes, they really captured how terrifying toddlers can be. Yeah. In that in mass switch mass between yeah. the that age and the next age up. Where, is, like, where they actually um, take care of their toys. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And I was actually wondering, because you're a parent, mm-hmm. and I was wondering how you were viewing the film like, in a way that I wasn't, you know what I mean? I think one of the problems I had with Up was that the the very dark, heavy themes were right there. And I'm not, I wasn't, I was nervous watching it with the kids. Now, they doubled it fine, and, you know, Bella, my youngest, uh, Anything to do with death, she loves. So she's she's great with that. 
Well, that one got the PG rating too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I, I mean, I was still I was still nervous about it. With this one, I thought it was balanced enough to where the heavier, darker stuff just could easily just go right over the heads of kids that can't handle it. Um, and but it was and the other thing that I was a little nervous about um, was because it didn't rely so much on humor it wouldn't appeal to the kids as much but it still did and they still seemed to love it um, of course they love pretty much anything that's animated and, you know, they love Planet 51 so um, yeah there's a reason you don't remember it <laughs> <laughs> oh that was one where the the human was the alien yeah uh, so I, I thought, it, I mean, it played very well for them, and for even, actually, even for them, it, uh, the way they talked about it seemed, like, they got that it was a farewell to these characters. They understood that. It's interesting. Uh, they, they understood that it was the end to a complete story. So, and, and it's, it's... It just blows me away how Pixar is able to to do that. I, I, I don't know. It's almost like it's almost like they bring kids up. Yeah. To a, to to a more sophisticated level, and they bring adults down to a more childlike level. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's that's something that um, I mean, I was going to say earlier that they one of the reasons I think Toy Story is become such an important part uh, of American culture is because it. The idea of toys coming to life reminds you what it's like to be... I mean, it, it's mm -hmm. hard now to imagine, like, playing with toys in the way you did when you were a kid. Well, Nate does. But other than that, you know, normal adults, <laughs> uh, it's hard to imagine... I mean, when you were a kid, you played with them, they seemed alive. Right. Um, you didn't see yourself moving them, they moved. But it's hard to imagine that now, and that's something that... Uh, this series has been able to remind me what that was like. And... Well, I still have a hard time getting rid of an old toy. Well, I have a hard time getting rid of old I still I have look at this toys. Like, yeah. I have them. I don't play with them. I don't, like, sit on the couch <laughs> and pretend they're fighting. And, no, you know. I'll... Yeah. I'll look at this toy and I'll be like, I have a history with this toy. You know? like, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to get rid of them. Yeah. But there are some I remember I've gotten rid of, I've lost. I remember Toy Story 2 hit me hard with yard sales yeah. and losing them, losing toys through yard sales. And I remember, you know, this one hit me hard when I had to go. I remember going away to college or even go, going to high school and, like, my parents packing up my toys. My toys started becoming the computer and video games mm -hmm. versus the action figures and trying to hold on to them. I remember I had, like, a, like a drawer underneath my bed where I would keep all my old action figures and all my toys and my cars that I would play with. And I held on to them for a long time until my parents finally made me pack them up. Not so much because I was playing with them, but just, I just held on to them. You know, like Andy had that chest. He didn't play with them. But I thought that that was really, it was interesting at the beginning, they had like that operation get played with or whatever, where they <laughs> tried to get out of the chest and stole their cell phone and tried to make Andy come in and, play with them, and I thought that was 
And then that reminds you from the beginning they're tugging at your heartstrings. Yeah. Story is because Andy doesn't play with them. Yeah, the Frank's Rex gets excited that he touched him. Yeah. He Which, touched me. Yeah. Even though it was just like to throw him back in. <laughs> yeah. Throw him back in. Yeah. And I, I like how they addressed why there were so few of them left. Yeah, they spin. That was the nice. part where they talked about Bo Peep, and I don't know if it's just because Annie Cox didn't want to come back for the third movie, mm-hmm. the voice, but what's that? Nothing. <laughs> but uh, that made me really sad. Yeah. Especially since her and Woody kind of had a thing. Yeah. 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 That was. They lost yeah. Bo Peep. <laughs> right. Just wonder if our mascot. The as yet untitled <laughs> 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 mascot. Did they mention how they lost Bo Peep? They just kind of say Bo Peep was. No, they, they said, did they? Was it a yard sale? Was it a yard sale? Or? Or? I thought it was a yard sale. I thought he did say we lost a lot of friends in the yard sale. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. I don't know if they directly <laughs> maybe yeah. said it, but maybe it was more. But we'll have to watch it again. Yeah. It's her dead choice. Ah, can watch it. The I was almost afraid that like, she broke or something because yeah. was she a ceramic piece? Uh, yeah, she, she was something. She was a ceramic lamp, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I'll tell her I can watch it. Sure if we ever put this on the internet, someone will blog. Yes. Like, she was ceramic to a bunch of idiots. <laughs> but, um, I think we should talk about, uh, there's two definite things. I want to talk about the end scene, the landfill. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I want to talk about is Ken. Right. Because Ken plays a big and important role, actually. Yeah. And I think besides Lotso, he's the second big supporting character that they introduce. He plays an important role. And a very, um, you were talking about a lack of comedy. He plays a very comedic role. Mm-hmm. They started out as like a, like yeah. a one-note kind of relief. I, l- I love the joke when he like yells like I am not a girl's toy. <laughs> and you can see the anger in his face. Why do you guys say that about me? <laughs> I think they were definitely pushing the limits in this movie in terms of uh, giving toys a sexuality, a sexual uh, yeah. identity, almost. You know what I mean? Well, with Ken and Barbie, they they yeah. they really kind of in they touch on the fact that you know the Barbie toys do have. There's gender issues with the Barbie toys. Yeah. There's, and that's technically what they're used, you know, used for a lot in our society. You give them to little girls. But I, love I was whole... never allowed to play with Barbies. It still <laughs> pisses me off. I love that whole they were made for each other scene, though. Like it's such a cliche, but in that instance, it, it takes on a different meaning because this is Ken and Barbie. They yeah. were literally, they literally made, for, were each made for each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost like neither one of them ever knew <laughs> until this point. The other one was there. Yeah. I thought there was a Ken in the first... Well, Barbie her, the Barbie doll herself wasn't in the second movie. There were, there were, there was a bunch of Barbie dolls, but that particular Barbie... Oh, was okay, okay. Mm-hmm. There, a, there was a separate Barbie at the end of Toy Story 2, mm-hmm. when Prospect of Pete was being taken on by the little girl. Yeah, and she turns, she has all the marks on her face, yeah. She's an artist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Barbie herself is actually a character. Barbie herself is a new character, yeah. Huh. Um, but I, I, I thought that those two characters were... I really like that Barbie doesn't stay with Ken. 
that she decides to like how, her toys. I also like how developed they made Barbie. Mm-hmm. That really surprised me. Because it's, it's a Barbie doll. Yeah. yeah. And you expect yeah, it's has... just going to be a bunch of blind jokes or whatever. And yeah. not that she's like this great intelligent mastermind, but she's, she has intelligence about her. Yeah, they didn't just, just flip, well, this is the obvious, so let's go the other extreme. Right. She actually had, like, depth as a character. Right. And, yeah. yeah. And she still follows She's still obviously a Barbie. Yeah. Yeah. But had her own personality. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, know how they do it. <laughs> I loved, I, I love the scene where Ken takes her to her, his secret room where he tries on all the clothes. <laughs> this is where the magic this is where the magic happens. He's in a closet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was actually Which is nervous. Interesting metaphor. Yeah. I was really nervous when he's like, "I'm gonna let me take you somewhere." This is where the magic happens. I was like, "What? Where's this going?" Right. And then it's a closet. I was like, "Full of clothes." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you little kids think that they yeah. don't understand. That's what I'm saying. They're, 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 they're pushing the envelope a little bit. Yeah. But they never really went into like offensive. Yeah. Yeah. Territory. Mm-hmm. I, I was a little, I was laughing a little uncomfortably at some points, but I don't think that's such a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, there, it never got to a point where I was like, maybe I'm going to have to explain some things later. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't, you know, I, I think that's the difference between this and kind of Shrek. Shrek took glee and pushing that envelope and jumping over it, which I enjoyed, but it definitely makes it for, you know, like you said, you take your kids to go see Shrek. And there might be stuff you have to explain yeah. afterwards. Oh, there's a scene or two in Shrek that I, uh, yeah. I wouldn't want to, I would have a hard time watching my kids or my parents. Yeah. <laughs> but this, you know, it just, it pushes just right up to, to the envelope and makes enough of an inference that only adults will catch it. Yeah. And even if the kids ask about it, they just kind of laugh and giggle and they, you know. The scene where she's, I thought it was hilarious when she was like tearing his clothes. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, or like the little, you know, the pun, the pun that she makes, I really like your ass, Scott, you know, <laughs> is nice enough that even little, little kids could get that, because some little kids will understand, like, Emma kind of giggled, yeah. she understands that ass is a bad word, she's like, <laughs> but, yeah. Well, you can say it on the radio. Right. But to her, it's a bad word. To a young child, ass is still considered a bad word. Scott's kind of funny. I guess I just also do a screen scene match or something, but just something. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Well, that's not good. But I mean, they, they also make that same joke at Shrek. I don't say after my parents. Yeah. See? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is there is a difference. I don't say after my parents. Yeah. It's just another word for the same thing. Right. But still makes me giggle. <laughs> Speaking of dirtier, the landfill scene. Okay. Which I was not. I was not really. I was not. Been saving that for years. (laughs) (laughs) The entire time they they had hinted at this landfill, and don't get me wrong, but I feel like they hinted the landfill or like getting thrown out the trash from Toy Story One, Toy Story Two. That's always a big fear of these toys getting thrown out, getting put in the trash, and so now they finally bring up this idea of going to the landfill. And to actually escape the daycare, they go through the trash chute, which is cool. That's actually... Not, I'm thinking more about your, your notion of a trilogy as something that's connected. Uh, because that is something that actually builds through all three yeah. movies. 
And in this final chapter, we actually get to that. They actually get thrown out. Yeah, That's they actually get true. there. Yeah. It's almost like if you go back and watch Toy Story, you're going to see foreshadowing for Toy Story yeah. 3. Mm-hmm. Which I doubt that when they were making Toy Story, they planned. Yeah. But right. they have such a way of... They kept the themes there. Yeah. They built the themes into 2, and so the themes would become complete in 3. It's not that they planned it 1 through 3, but you continuously yeah. keep it, it's going to work that way. But I thought that the landfill scene I wasn't expecting them to go. I kind of was yeah. like, I was hoping they would just get out, maybe just go home somehow. But as they, that pulled me in so much, because I really felt like, how in the world are they going to get out of this? That this scene where they all hold hands? Yeah. I thought, I literally, I thought, okay, this is how they're going to end it. Mm-hmm. I was afraid they were going to actually how? kill the characters off. Yeah. And that I was, was going to be the end of the story. I out of my mind. And it would be, there would be this like sad scene with Andy finding a burnt, and charred, woody, yeah. and yeah, I was I was actually afraid it was going to end that way. That. I was I was feeling a little apprehensive. Mm-hmm. That, you know? mm-hmm. When they fall into like the crusher and things like that, and when Lotso climbs up that when Lotso climbs up that ladder oh and he, he can push the button to save them, and he chooses not to, that makes him like. Yes, so evil, was so a, villainous. Was a, was a malicious character. In he would not have done that. No. But yeah, he never. He never wanted to actually like kill or harm. He just he, he wanted harmed, to harm them. But for but he never a, went to the point of okay, I'm just gonna yeah. let you die now because yeah. I don't like you. It's yeah. Lotso was I willing was really that they, to kill those yeah. characters. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, oh, this is the part where the bad toy has a chain of heart and comes back and he's mm-hmm. dead. And suddenly it's like, you know, <laughs> have fun with Andy or whatever he said. And he walks around. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, at that moment I was like, oh. and then they get saved by the three The aliens. single greatest Deus Ex Machina yeah. in movie history. <laughs> That's another thing that seemed like it was planned from the very right. beginning. Yeah. You know. And the claw. The claw. The claw. <laughs> Well, and they kind of disappeared. I, like, I had forgotten about the landfill. That. I yeah. had not. I had that not. They had run, run away. And there was a part of it that was like, oh no, don't let them die. Yeah. I was afraid because they were the first ones to get. Uh, when the when the machine comes through and they all get the bulldozer, they're the first ones to get bulldozed, and they're they're out of the picture. And I'm like, they're not just treating these like disposable characters all of a sudden. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's gonna bother me. And it's like you know, especially because Mrs. Data Head is so attached to them, and yeah. it's like they're her children. But I thought, oh, it's so great the way they came back. It might not make total sense, but just in the framework of the movie, I think it was so awesome. It, yeah, it works within the logic of the movie. Is well, that's, that's like the only way that you could get out, and you're so happy yeah. when yeah. you see that claw come down, and, and you realize who it is that has the yeah, claw. Yeah, as soon as you know it's Yeah, and you're like, yes, you're so, because there's a huge, just The, the one where aliens, yeah. and you're like, yeah! And then they have that, that little beat. After it was like, you saved our lives and we were, we were eternally grateful. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> like, how do you take, how do you take one of the best jokes from the first movie and, and in the f- end of the third movie, you make that emotionally resonant? Yeah. yeah. How do you do that? Pixar does that. Pixar does that. It's the Pixar. It's amazing. It's just downright amazing. The other thing that really, um, that I thought was really great was um, in the prison escape, Having Mr. Potato Head take all his pieces. Oh, I thought that was brilliant. Oh, and putting the, him on the, 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 the tortilla. The tortilla. <laughs> he 
puts like himself on his pieces around something, he can be animated. He can be yeah. animated, he can walk around. I thought that was interesting. That was a great. And then he gets on the zucchini. It's a, you're taller at dinner. Yeah. <laughs> great. Yeah. Not the day I've had. I feel so healthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about. What are, do you see? Are there any flaws? Is there anything that didn't uh, work for you? There were a couple of jokes. There were a couple of moments where they went for the easy joke that I felt kind of wasn't really in For example, um, and I can't take credit for picking this out. I feel like we're. I just feel like we're just gushing. Over I know. This. I know. And Let's gush. Well, I, I already said that um, I had a slight problem in the beginning mm-hmm. because well, let me say this in Toy Story Two. It was so chock full of awesome little references to sci-fi movies. Mm-hmm. The humor in Toy Story is amazing. Yeah. Like I could just sit there and I was like, and like I could watch it a few times, and each time I'm picking up something that. Um, Toy Story three, I was watching and it was like, I was like, where are the where are the gags? Like where are the references yeah. And. I think by the end it wasn't such a big deal because, like you said, um, it had a slightly different feel to it. It wasn't as relying on gags. Mm-hmm. So that by the end of the movie, it had built such an emotional arc. I feel like if I go back and watch it again, it won't bother me as much. But the the little gags, like um, where Potato Head comes back from the sandbox. And uh, it was like something about Lincoln Logs. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> and makes, and makes yeah. Up. I don't think they're the Lincoln Logs. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, it, you know, they might be Logs. I suppose it's kind of funny, but it was like, kind of funny, but it didn't. It wasn't like he wasn't the there, of. so the joke. It was just, it was just one of those. I don't know. It was a disposable joke. Yeah. Um, I kind of. It was. It was almost like growing and using one. Kids liked it though. Kids like poop jokes. Yeah, kids, kids do like poop jokes. Poop jokes. Poop you jokes, say poop jokes. jokes. Just laugh. Ninety percent. Got a logical humorous. I think you just call it poop jokes. So yeah, calling poop it jokes. Scatological I sound jokes. more intelligent when I say You do sound more intelligent, but in the end, you're talking about a poop joke. And I make you sound less intelligent. You're intelligently so talking about a poop joke. Like, <laughs> that's what you do. I went to college. Like <laughs> what we did. Uh, something that I didn't exactly like. I I've, been, I've been racking my brain about something that. I mean, I agree that there were jokes that yeah. weren't quite the level as the rest of the movie, but they were still. They, were, could be they weren't flat. Yeah. Nothing felt flat. Yeah. And I've been. I, I, it's hard for me to admit that a movie is perfect. And yeah, perhaps we just don't want to. And I, yeah, I don't to want it to, so I've been racking my brain. What about this movie didn't work for me? And well, I can still... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's fine, because I, I, I was you pretty much going to say that. Yeah, I'm just thinking. I'm trying to think of... There's there's a part of me that wants... wants to find flaws with some of the Buzz Lightyear stuff. Yeah. With some of his... Uh, the flamenco mode. Yeah, with the Spanish mode, but even that... That was funny, and they kept it 
they actually like kept it with his character. They added it. You know, he didn't suddenly become evil. He kind of worked with the team. He helped them out. I loved how he was trying to impress Jesse. I like how Jesse kind of did it. Jesse yeah. kind of liked the yeah the fact that he was. She didn't know what to do with it at first. She was like, you know, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, but then she likes it. And by the way, no, yeah. it's, it's okay. No, but it's, but it's a Spanish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The only I guess the main and this is probably because we just we just have to find something. would be that whatever it is falls on Buzz Lightyear, right? I can't remember. Is that in oh, the, the TV? The TV falls on Buzz Lightyear. And somehow that resets him? That I didn't get. I didn't understand. I mean, I'll... Sure, he has to get reset somehow, and I'll buy it. But I think... Yeah, I, I felt kind of the same way when it happened. Right. I think it's not such a big deal to me, because... It, it happened in a moment of total like self-sacrificial yeah. Buzz Lightyear. It was totally in character for Buzz Lightyear, mm-hmm. even though he wasn't in character as Buzz Lightyear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's knowing he's probably going to die, he throws Jesse out of the way. Right. And also, when it's coming down, you can see the screen's already broken. So yeah. it was like, I was okay that he wasn't, wasn't yeah. dead. crushed by it. Yeah. He's a really well made tool. I wish I had an action figure that was that well made. Yeah. Because yeah. his wings still pop out after whatever it is, 15 years. Yeah. I wish I had an action figure that wings were still popped out after 15 years of playing with it. Well, Andy no. took good care of it. Yeah. Spilling soda on it and getting all gummy. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess I guess I, I can forgive certain things. If a movie is that good, the little things, right. I can forgive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still give it like, as perfect a movie as it Yeah. Yeah. Have you I thought think. of it? I mean, because even, even, even that, I didn't mind it. In the moment, I was like, in another movie, this would have really bugged me if this, these start to add up. But even then, after I watched it, I was like, oh, stop me. You're just nitpicking. You know, just enjoy this movie. Don't find something to hate in something that's been so good. That's what I felt like I was doing. It's also possible if I go back and watch it, I'll pick up other things that mm-hmm. Because when I, when I go back and watch the other two Toy Stories, yeah. there are little things that, um, there, there's, there's a suspension of disbelief, but there are just certain things that I'm like, come on, you know, yeah. Yeah. a little bit of physics would be good this morning. But the movies are so, just so good yeah. that I can be forgiven for things like that. By the way, I was thinking you guys were saying this movie was really dark. The first Toy Story... I think we could possibly argue the second Toy Story has some dark moments, you know, especially when Prospect Pete hits. Who's that he hits? Does he hit, does he hit Jesse or he actually hits one of them? He hits Woody. Woody, yeah. He, 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 he hits Woody with his... He tears the yeah. scene with his yeah. mm-hmm. I was thinking, I mean, the first one's really dark with Sid, yeah. who actually kills toys, and that's probably the only time that we really, really? see a toy kill. No, okay. He blows up an army man. Yeah. Yeah, we're, that's true. Yeah. We all die. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Actually, in the first movie, Woody's dead. pretty dark in the first movie. Yeah. Because he actually... He's so he's so vengeful toward Buzz that... Not that he's trying to murder him, but that scene where he tries to get him stuck down in the... Yeah. The eight ball rolls down, and he gets that idea. He tries to get him stuck down in the... Yeah. It's almost like a murder scene. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he's willing to hurt him. Yeah. 
Alan and Debbie Bergman, yeah. And the first one has, and I was just thinking about that in my head, how dark the first one actually. The other thing I thought about is Sid is the only person who they ever reveal to that toys are alive. Right. Ever. Through all the movies. The, the only human. Which I think is in, in, interesting. That... And that that could have really been... I, something that really impresses me is that that doesn't kind of become a motif through the movies. Yeah. They reveal it to humans that they're alive. You know, because there would be a real fear of mine that they would reveal to humans and, you know... Andy would know their secret and he would help them yeah, out. Yeah, I, I was afraid that that oh, was Oh no, happen. Mom, they're alive, we have to save them. You know? <laughs> this was an Andy's movie, or even Yeah, but they didn't feel the need to do that. They, you know, and they're, in the first one, they revealed the Sid has a purpose to scare the heck out of him. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. This is a side note, but have you ever seen uh, a Christmas toy? It's a Jim Henson movie. Christmas movie. It was, I think it was a little a TV kind of movie. It was called a Christmas, Christmas Toy. And um, it was the same basic idea where the toys were alive. Um, but in that movie, if a human saw a toy out of place, like, all was, that toy would die, essentially. And there's actually a scene in Christmas Story where there's a little clown doll, and uh, he he's standing in the doorway when the, when the the, the kid or whoever comes around the corner and sees him and he just falls over dead. Huh? And he's never alive again. It's just, it's just an inanimate toy. Interesting. Yeah. And so that's a, like, obviously that, that's not what the case is in Toy Story. Mm-hmm. Right. But, they like, treat it, it that way. It makes me think back to that. Like, you know, this is like almost a death sentence. Yeah. Well, and that, that's how the the toys treat, I mean, they, there's no situation where they, you know, reveal that except for, you know, except for that one, that yeah. one scene. Mm-hmm. So Although I like that the Buster, the dog. He sees it, yeah. Yeah, the dog knows that they're alive, yeah, it helps him. How'd you like that reveal? I thought that was awesome. <laughs> that was a great he kind of moment Buster of humor. Yeah. yeah, especially at the beginning. This old dog kind yeah. of waddles in, and then just lays on him. This <laughs> dog's like what, twelve years old now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. At least. No. Yeah. Well, he came around in the second one. The second. At the end of the first one. The end of the first one. Oh yeah, yeah. like oh we have a and puppy. He gets, yeah, he gets, he gets the puppy for Christmas. Yeah. At the end of the first one. Yeah. So that dog's just not. That's an old dog. There's our flaw. That dog's like 20 years old. No, No, my dog was almost 18. Yeah, that dog's 18. uh, Okay, that's an old dog. Dogs that don't live that long. They have horrible back problems. But it was a great reveal where it's like, the dog has aged. Mm -hmm. He's an old dog now. Which is kind of, it's sad and funny at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Anything else anybody really wants to say? I like the relationship between Andy and Molly. Yeah. I think we've already mentioned... I mean, that end scene did... I was crying. I wasn't bawling. I wasn't shaking. But there were tears. Well, because, you know, it's like... like cheeks. You see, you see the, the part where they're growing up on the, on the home videos or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh... 
now Andy's 17, 17, no, no. 17 18. Yeah. And uh, I think they're probably 17, right? Or, and he's like, you know, he's saying, he's like, you know, stand in my room with his little sister. And I'm like, yeah. I hope he's not like this jerk toward his little sister now, you know. <laughs> but it's like this it's like this real honest relationship between the two. It's like he wants her out of his room, but he still is protective of her and loves her, you can tell. I just, I liked, I liked that they took enough time. They show you just enough where you like, you understand the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, they have a good relationship, but it's still a real sibling relationship. And even the part where the mom walks so into, the mom is like such like on his back about getting his toys together and getting yeah. the room packed up. But then when she actually walks in and sees the bare room, she's like, oh, she's yeah. speechless. And she's speechless yeah. and she's touched. It's like yeah. they, they, these little moments. That they you know, actually, now that I think about it, that when he throws the toys into the bag, and then he drops them, and she picks them up, thinking they're trash. I think that sequence was a little convenient. Um, I, I mean, I understand the logic of it, I understand, but it still felt a little uh, convenient. It, it, yeah. You know, I mean, I have a hard time thinking that he would put them in a... Pl- I, I would, if he's going to put them in a attic, he should put them in a box, not a plastic bag. The box that she had um, marked That she had marked well. attic. So, yeah, exactly. But he's, so, a, he's a teenager, he's dismissive. You know, my, my brothers are at that age now, and my parents tell them to do one thing. And even if that thing makes perfect sense, <laughs> just for the reason of being a teenager, and I, I would do it too. I you know, know it's a To rebel in whatever silly way you can, you would just do something different. Just do it your own way, you know. Your parents tell you to bring the dishes down and put them in the left sink. You put them in the right sink, you know, just because they told you to do it one way. Yeah. So it might have been a little convenient, but it kind of yeah. it still rings true because I've I found things in the garbage. You know, that my mom was like throwing out or, or or things that were just in the wrong bag, yeah. like I'm throwing out. So I can almost emotionally connect to that. Yeah. Right. And even the part where he comes back and he's like, Mom, what did you do? And the mom's like, oh no, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, what about the, uh, the, uh, short before the... Oh uh, yeah, let's talk about the short. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I thought that the... I've never seen an animation style like that. I thought that that animation style was brilliant. The short, uh, let's do a quick synopsis of the short. Basically, there's these two kind of characters. One, the short's called Day and Night. One represents Day. He's a, he's a, yeah. He is. He's hard to explain. Yeah, he's a silhouette. He's a silhouette, and all around, he's a silhouette in black. So there's a black background, and his character inside of him is something happening in the world during the day. And as he moves, it's like the world is swirling inside of him. But he's, a, he's like a traditional 2D character. He's a traditional 2D character. And the world you see inside him is a CGI, 3D CGI. 3D, yeah. yeah. And he runs into somebody who's night, the same thing's happening, but everything's happening at night. Um, and it was really interesting because that character first shows up, and there's not a laugh for a while. He's just, you're yeah. just kind of getting the concept of what's going on. I'm which still is not sure if I have the concept of what. I mean, I understood it, kind of, but it was, yeah. it's very, I mean, 
it's extremely abstract. Mm-hmm. The, the what they were doing. I kind of dug it there. That it was abstract. It yeah. looks cool. Like, yeah. It looked really cool. cool. Like I was when that guy like runs forward and then it's just kind of a field and then a hand glider suddenly appears and he flies with them and yeah. everything that was happening inside of them was literally them and it was the world and it was just. I think I think it was it was great the way they took. You take you take a cartoon from like the nineteen forties, okay, and they were re- they were using a lot of those sound effects, um, you know, those slapstick, a lot of that slapstick cartoon humor. Yeah. But they're interposing it on this twenty ten modern animation right. thing, and so these two characters, you know, start reacting to each other, and everything that all of their reactions. Like you're saying, you know, the fireworks. There's um, a scene where he, like, makes, like, the wolf howl when he sees the pretty girl in the bikini. Right, and there's a wolf at night howling at the moon. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And th- th- these are all, these are all, like, old traditional, you know... Tex Avery. Tex Avery cartoon yeah. moments. But they're using them to do this new thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. they're watching the two characters... Two characters, I guess they would be day and night, are watching each other, as if each other are movie screens, but they're right. literally watching each other's bodies, which was kind of bizarre and strange yes. at the same time. Yeah, it, it did. It felt a little weird. Almost. It did feel, especially with with the girl in the bikini when they, it's kind of like <laughs> staring. And then the guy's like, "Yes, look at me," <laughs> but her in me, and you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> although that was funny when he then steps there and it's just like, Without like beach. Yeah. He's like, oh. <laughs> They do all kinds of little things where that you know they go to Vegas and his Vegas is kind of cool. The Knights Vegas is much cooler. They see there's two things really good. The thing that I found was interesting and I'm not sure if I like it or not was the radio broadcast moment. Mm-hmm. The radio broadcast to say there and say the things that are unexplainable are sometimes best left unexplained and most yeah important. And I was so like let's explain what we were trying to do with this yeah moment. Yeah, and that, uh, that moment, I was a little... I could have done without that. Yeah. Because, I mean, that just kind of tells you that this is a hard to understand. But I can see that it's hard to understand. Mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time understanding what's going on. Do you really need to reiterate? I mean, maybe they need to acknowledge that they understand that this is kind of difficult. But, I don't know. I don't know. They could have just left it as it was instead of saying, this is the moral of our story, you know? Yeah, a little, um, a little too on the nose. Yeah, a little too on the nose. Uh, I actually, I asked the kids about it afterwards, and they completely forgot. Like, it didn't stick with them at all. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a little over over the head of younger children. Um, whereas, that's the first one of their shorts that's like that. Most of the other ones are perfect little... Funny little pieces that you know are something you'd see in a Saturday morning cartoon or something like that. More of a gag with them. Yeah. Um, whereas this was definitely a different level of I mean, concept. Like, how did they feel about the ones in like Up and Wally? Because Wally has the classic, really like Bugs Bunny kind of. Was yeah. that Presto? Presto. With the Presto. That was amazing. Yeah. That yeah. was hilarious. 
And that one, I remember people really, I was laughing my head off during that one. That's and then, Yeah. Okay. And then the, um, Up has the cloudy one, mm-hmm. which is really sweet. Yeah. The storks and the cloud that makes little sharks and baby alligators and things. <laughs> yeah. So, do you feel like your kids liked those better? They yeah. remember those? Oh, definitely. They, they've talked about those afterwards. Yeah. Whereas this one, I was like, what did you think? And they both just kind of looked at me. Yeah. Remember. They yeah. literally did not remember it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I was like, and like, oh, yeah. And it's just sort of a non. Much more of a generational Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was brilliant, like animation style wise yeah. and everything like that. Do you, do you think but they actually use traditional, uh, like, cell drawn animation for that? Or do you think they did 2D on a computer? I'm curious about that. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually did the cell drawn. For at least the characters. Yeah. The inside um, obviously had to be. And then just. Right. But, like, that basically was a layer over. I'm curious to find out. Yeah, making that would be really interesting. Because that would be a first for Pixar. Yeah, they've always done. They've always done. Unless they have Disney helping out or something like that. That is true. I'm sure they they are under Disney now. Well, yeah. I don't know. I mean, well, do, do, do they have people on the staff that can actually sit animators, there and draw Yeah, stuff? maybe not. Well, they, they must do, like, storyboards and things like that ahead of time, and character sketches, and, yeah, and okay. you know. Right. So, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I I'm sure that. they can. Mm-hmm. All right. Either way, it looks something new. Yeah. For them yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, so, where, where do we think, something that would be interesting, where do we think this sits in the Pixar canon? Not, not the short film, but Toy Story 3. Where does it sit with Tour Story, uh, A Bug's Life, Tour Story 2, um, The Incredibles, Cars, uh, Ratatouille, Finding Monsters, Nemo. Inc., Finding Nemo, Up. This is the 11th. It's the 11th, yeah. Future Pop. Where does this sit? I, for me, I'd say it's tied with Wally, as for number one. Definitely. Um, I'm not sure it'll... it'll be a while before I decide whether it's better or worse. See? Um, but it's definitely up there. I mean, I've never had a, a cartoon affect me like this emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, which says a lot about the depth of the characters in the story. Yeah, and how much of a little girl you are. But yeah, well, yeah. you're the one that actually cried. I just didn't point that out. You wanted to cry. <laughs> Depends on what criteria I'm looking at because Toy Story is the ultimate classic Pixar movie. That's so. Even though I mean, The Incredibles was my absolute favorite. I do love Pixar. I have a hard time finding anything wrong with that movie. And then Wally came out, and Wally did something that. To me, Wally was so transcendent of the medium because I felt like Wally took all of cinema history and like mashed it together into this just beautiful, one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, the 
silent films, classic comedies, sci-fi, musicals, musicals, <laughs> romance, yeah, um, action, yeah, all all these dis- disparate uh, genre elements coming together to make this amazing movie. So Wally, I guess I'd say Wally is my favorite Pixar movie. Yeah, and probably still is just because of how. Yeah, like I just said, the Toy Story thing I think is definitely up there. It's it's really hard for me because I I Wally would probably be that that's always my gut decision. Is what's the best Pixar movie? And I always think Wally because Wally holds a really special place in my heart. And I don't want to repeat because what the way that you summed it up was just perfect. Um, but that and I don't know I just got really attached to that Wally character. I just love that little guy. For me, Wally has a... I I agree that it's a great movie, but there's a huge flaw in it that bugs me. And that's the live action. Live action. action And it it irritates the hell out of me when I watch it. And it's... If it wasn't... Like, the rest of the movie is so transcendent that I can sort of get past it. But it does... That sort of keeps that movie from being perfect. Yeah. For me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess it does take me out of the movie a little bit. I think on the second viewing, yeah. on the first movie, it was, it was a little jarring. I mean, the first viewing was a little jarring. Second time, I knew it was there. It's not awful. Well, I mean, and I, I think about this, we were having a hard time finding flaws with Toy Story 3. With Wally, that is something that people frequently can point to and say, look, there's live action. Why? That's something you can easily debate. Toy Story 3, it's hard to find something, but... I don't know. Initially, I, w- I would say if I'm looking at this as a, if I look at all three, Toy Story, Toy Story 2, and Toy Story 3, now, and kind of combine them as one movie as we do with, like, Lord of the Rings, the accomplishment of making a trilogy so, not just one movie so near perfect, but a trilogy that just fits and flows together so just, I mean, just It wasn't amazing. originally intended to. Yeah. Like that, that is just yeah. mind-boggling how in yeah. the world they did that. And, I mean, this this is Pixar, so like the top of Pixar is just, we could go on debating this forever. Because yeah, Up has some amazing, I love The Incredibles. Um, Ratatouille gets overshadowed because it came out, you know, right before Wally. But Ratatouille is a really good movie. Really, really, Finding Nemo has been forgotten because of all the amazing stuff that since comes after it. Yeah. But Finding Nemo is... I mean, we talked about it a little bit today, but Finding Nemo is awesome. Monsters, Inc., I think, gets forgotten all the time. I love Monsters, Inc. Monsters, Inc. is one of my all-time yeah. favorite just last shots in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's the simple shot in the car. Yeah. Yeah. This is brilliant. No, I think the problem is we're talking about 11. I think all 11 movies are great movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of them have weaknesses. Cars is a little slow. I have a harder time getting to the characters than I Cars. Uh, the weird thing about Cars is that it's about a race car and it's the slowest <laughs> Pixar movie. Um, I think Ratatouille has certain weaknesses. I think Monsters Inc. has certain weaknesses. But every single one of these movies has such 
such a well-developed universe, and such well-developed characters, that it's difficult because you're, you're trying to you're trying to rank 11 movies where, like, the 11th movie in that ranking is still a really good movie. Yeah, still yeah. better than most animated films. Mm -hmm. Better than most Better than most films. films. Most Period, films. yes. Yeah. I mean, Cars touched... I mean, in... in that I last scene. That whole, the whole thing about, you know, people driving by and not realizing what they're missing. Mm -hmm. You know, these little towns, the interstate system. I mean, the interstate system has, has its merits, but so many little towns just dried up and yeah. blew away in the wind and all these people's livelihoods were destroyed and doing this with animated cars you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. And, and that theme has been attempted before with live action so often yeah. you know the idea of the ghost town disappearing that's not an unheard of theme of you know especially some, something like that that's a very much heck that's a big theme with westerns you know the railroad coming through and destroying the town that it goes to gets up big, the town that doesn't go to dies. But, you're right, cars can pull you in. And I don't know how they, Pixar just has, Pixar has a handle on just human emotion for our generation like no other production company yeah. around. I don't know, I guess I put two, Toy Story 3 in the upper hand, probably, if, if I really ranked them all, because, like I said, I'm not just saying Pokemon Bugs like Cars, Ratatouille. Yeah. I think Toy Story 3 is such such an amazing accomplishment. Yeah. And watching I watched Toy Story and Toy Story 2 back to back. Like I said, theater. Right. Toy Story 2 has a more developed story, I think, than the first Toy Story is. Mm -hmm. Even though the first Toy Story has a good story. There's just something about Toy Story 2 that feels a little bit more fleshed out. But it's hard to say it's a better movie because right. the first Toy Story is such a towering achievement in the cinema. Yeah. So it's really hard to, I mean, depends on how you're. I think the reason I, another reason I would put Toy Story 3 so high is because I think it accomplishes for, in a way, accomplishes for animated movies what the first Toy Story did. In that an, an animated film doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to run on its gags. I don't. I don't think. I. I, I haven't seen an animated film do that. Uh, not. Not one like this. Uh, that's marketed as a kids movie. And, right. Right. You know, um, there. There are serious animated. I was thinking, especially a lot of Japanese animation. Yeah. Things like this. Yeah. This kind of you know Disney esque mm -hmm. uh, animated film. I mean, How to Train Your Dragon kind of did that in that they got away from the sort of. You know, pop reference gags, yeah. which was brilliant. But this just took it, you know, beyond, way beyond that. And yeah. It's like, you know, the, these movies don't have to be about gags at all. Right. You know. It works in certain movies like Shrek. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't work, but it. And we're, we're bad we haven't seen Shrek, anything. But I love Shrek. Yeah. I love oh, yeah. Shrek. Oh, so, the first one. The first one. And the second one. I like the second one. The second one's great. The second one has like has some hilarious moments. The second one is awesome. It really develops character as well. But the third I, one has put a stain on that franchise. That well, the fourth one kind of did too. I read a criticism of Toy Story 3 actually. That, that? Um, it didn't 
push the boundaries of animation itself the way all the Pixar movies have. And I haven't really thought about it enough to, to determine for myself whether I think that's true. Um, I think it pushed the boundaries of the way you can tell a story with yeah. animation. Pushing the boundaries with animation itself is hard to say. I think but animation at this point has gotten so refined that unless it's something you know a lot about, how it's done, you probably can't tell. Well, the thing is, the previous four or so Pixar movies, I can look at those movies and say, wow, they really pushed the envelope of animation. Mm -hmm. I'm having a hard time thinking of something specific about Toy Story 3 where it pushes the envelope of animation itself. I don't think that's necessarily a detriment, though. No. Yeah. Because the story is so good that it doesn't need to have right. a, an animation gimmick. Or it doesn't really... You don't need to be constantly changing how we do animation. Yeah, why, why is... You don't need yeah. to reinvent the wheel. Right. You're telling a good story with good characters with amazing animation. Yeah. Well, if it doesn't happen organically with the story, yeah. then you're just doing it for... I mean, right. like with Up, the, the lighting from the balloons and everything yeah. was amazing, but that was organically right. part of the story. There was a reason for it. Yeah. In Ratatouille, they played a lot of light and shadow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and just some of the action sequences, Brad. But that's very Brad Bird, but... Right, The Incredibles. The Incredibles. The action. Yeah. The Incredibles is one of the best action movies animated uh, yeah. ever made. He's doing the next Mission Impossible. Is he really? Yeah. Brad Bird is taking him from Pixar. He's directing Mission Impossible 4. It'll be really interesting. John Lasseter is directing a live-action movie, too, right now. Yeah. That'll be very so interesting. Funny. Yeah. Because Abrams made Mission Impossible 3, which... Let's not get into Mission Impossible. I never, let's not talk I never about saw it, so... The third one. Yeah, I'm going to be too polarized when I'm talking about right now. Um, right. Yeah, and Finding Nemo. Yeah. Well, we've already talked about what Wally did with animation. Right. But just the sound. The thing about Finding Nemo that, that gets lost is the background. Mm -hmm. the oh, yeah. The I mean, you're, you're, you're it's an ocean. Water. It's the literally water, an ocean. Yeah. yeah. And, and they say that water is notoriously hard to get right. Mm -hmm. And this whole movie is of water. Yeah. And it looks so amazing, but you don't think about it because you're focusing on the characters. Mm -hmm. But if, if you watch the whole movie and you don't focus on the characters, focus on the background, it's an unbelievable scene. Yeah. Well, we just mentioned a second ago uh, Mission Impossible, which is Tom Cruise's vehicle. Is he still in it? He's still doing it. He's still in it, yeah. Okay. And uh, you cringe at Tom Cruise, that's okay. Um, I still, I still like Tom Cruise. I still like. I I think As he's. Yeah, I I, I think he's yeah, underrated well, yeah. and I unfortunately hurt by right. the stuff that he does in public and that this makes people not want to. You know, he did a good job in Valkyrie. Did fine. I really liked Valkyrie. Yeah. I thought Valkyrie. I like Valkyrie despite Tom Cruise. Yeah. Despite Tom Cruise. Yeah. It's 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 good. I think, I think you need to do some serious praying. <laughs> Work out this thing with animosity. When you after. when you go back and look at his filmography, it's amazing the movies that he's been in, honestly, and the work that he's done. Um, it's 
I mean, some of the stuff, you know, so he's kind of a proud jerk. What actor is No, he? it has nothing to do with yeah. him personally. I could care less about him personally. It's his mannerisms I, it, The way, yeah. yeah, his mannerisms as an actor irritates me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not when he's in a, like, a genuinely comedic, not sort of a, a, a an action-y, and there's humor there, too. When he's in a genuinely comedic role, like in uh, Tropic, Tropic Thunder. Thunder. That was great. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> that movie saved him a little bit. But in the public eye, yeah. I it, when he I thought that character was irritating. Really, I thought he I was thought, irritating. Well, that was that was point. what was funny about it to me was that he yeah. was irritating. Like in the, every single the first his the introductory scene I thought was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they when he they brought him back at the end, I was like, I cannot wait for the scene to be over. <laughs> and now they're making a movie about it. They are, are they really? Yeah. Oh, so that's fun. But anyway, uh, in, anyways, the reason we're talking about Tom Cruise is because we're planning on seeing the next movie, Night and Day. And um, so it's uh, Tom Cruise, Cameron Diaz, uh, Peter Sarsgaard. Sarsgaard, um, yeah. He's in it. He's in it. Yeah. So three annoying. So guys. everyone, so it's it's just a big bunch of annoying for <laughs> Stephen over here. So we can imagine how he feels about it. It's also directed by James Mangold, who did which Three Ten to Yuma. Which I think is just one of the best ones. It's just yeah. amazing, and he also did Walk the Line. Uh, he did a bunch of movies before that, which were kind of Girl Interrupted was pretty good. Yeah, was Girl Interrupted with uh, Girl Interrupted. I never saw. Yeah, so he he but he's he's a good director. He seems to really, especially yeah. with action, with three three tons of humor kind of elevated him. Yeah. In my mind, with what he did with that and showing what he could do with action, this looks like it's going to be very comedic. Um, some beginning critics are kind of having really polarizing views, so I'm wondering how do you guys feel about this ahead of time? Well, I think what interests me more than anything was about, about Mangold as a director is that every movie he does, he, he doesn't, he's not like in a genre. Yeah. yeah. Like he's doing, like you say, he's doing Walk the Line, this, this like serious biopic about John Cash, mm-hmm. then he's doing a western, then he's doing like this weird psychological thriller like identity. Yeah. Uh, Time travel comedy like uh, what was that? Um, Kate Leopold, Kate oh, Leopold, which yeah. I haven't seen, but, but he did it. Mixed things about. It makes no sense that he would randomly do like a romantic time travel comedy, right? <laughs> Just throw it in there. Yeah, with Hugh Jackman no and Beg Ryan, yeah. But I, I actually, I'm actually pretty excited about seeing that. Like, I think, I think it looks like, a, I think it looks like it's going to be a really, really entertaining, funny movie with yeah. good action scenes. Yeah. This feels like, to me, like what... We have a, a definition for a summer movie. And this feels like a summer movie to me with some smarter directing, some smarter acting. And it's not a sequel, it's not a remake. Yeah, it's original. It's there, I'm excited for it. Um, I don't know how original it is. Yeah. yeah. It's not a great fight, it's fine. Yeah. I, th- there's, there's this thought in the back of my head that is really hoping... That he's actually insane, you know, and that he's just going off on a killing spree. And because I, I would, I hate spy movies where they're like, you know, he's he's suddenly snapped, but he's actually not. He's got to defend himself, and then he proves himself right. Because it's been done so many times. So I want to see the spy movie where the spy is actually snapped. Yeah. Darn it! <laughs> if that happens, I'm gonna hate the movie. No, I'll probably, I'll probably still enjoy it. But when that's I, what I want to see. I want to see heard about the movie. Yeah. I was like, okay, this could be interesting. But I have my doubts about it. When I saw the trailer, what it looked like to me was like 
these are two actors that are just like having a great time. Yeah. Like this is just this is just like vintage Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoy he can get a little over the top. Yeah. Yeah. But I I, I don't know. I, I like I think that Tom Cruise matters is fitting well with this kind of community. They do. Character. Yeah. And also Tom Cruise is like to me, Tom Cruise has become like the live action action movie star. Just just the way he operates, just mm-hmm. the level of stunt work yeah. in his movies. I mean that he does. That his he movies does are his movies yeah. in the past decade. Yeah. Have, have I mean the pinnacle of stunt work. Despite Mission Impossible 2's flaws, the stunt work and the action in that movie is mind boggling It's just awesome. Yeah. Mission Impossible 3, War of the Worlds. Yeah. We're not talking always great, great movies, but just like mind boggling Minority Report. Minority Report, The Last Samurai. Yeah. Um, I just, there's a lot going for this movie, but at the same time, I'm going to have to sit through two hours of actors that. It seems like all the actors, they, they took all the actors in Hollywood that I find annoying and put them into one movie. <laughs> Like, I don't know. See, I'm, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to seeing Cameron Diaz in, in a fun role again. Yeah, I, I yeah. feel like Mister. Yeah, I feel like I haven't really seen Cameron Diaz playing to her strengths in a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually I enjoyed her in Charles Angels because she just had such a good time. Yeah, um, it's not a good movie. Maybe Charles Angels, but it's, it's okay. I enjoy it. I just enjoy it. Either. So that about, that about wraps it up. Yeah. Um, basically, we love Toy Story 3. It might be perfect. We might not be willing to admit it. Um, we're going to see Night and Day next. And that is it for the As Yet Untitled video podcast. Movie. Movie podcast. Video. Movie. 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 Ah, movie podcast. I guess I lost my job. <laughs> <laughs>